Hallelujah. Good to be in the house of the Lord. I look forward to every time we come together. I look forward to it. Amen. Ephesians, I have two, a few portions of scriptures tonight in Ephesians, not just the one that I have listed here, but I'm going to touch on a couple of scriptures tonight in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, let's look at verse 11. The word of the Lord says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Right? He's talking about gifts he has given to his church. Verse number 12 says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Till we all become as one in the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. Again, whenever you see the word perfect in the Bible, it doesn't mean that you're going to be without flaws. It means that you will be complete in Christ Jesus. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So those are some really powerful, powerful scripture when we're talking about Christian maturity. Christian maturity. Those passages of scriptures alone tell you that we just don't come into the church and we're born again and we're saved. It means that we are on a journey and there must be growth and development as we continue in Christ. Just as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. That if a baby is born and has to grow through being fed and, and continue to learn and, and, and grow up, then in, so it is spiritually that when you're born again, you must grow. You must become mature. You can't stay in the same place that when you first was when you first heard the word and was saved, that's where you are. You have to grow. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, still chapter 4, verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, here's the key, may grow up. Grow up. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I growing up? That we may grow up into him in all things, not some things, but in all things, him which is the head, even Christ. So we have to grow up in Christ. And so we can't just uh, just say we are born again and go through the actions of being born again and we never grow up. We have to challenge ourselves to grow up. We have to say to ourselves, can I see growth in my life from the time I started going to church and I started obeying the word of God? Can I see growth in my life? Do I see movement or am I kind of in the same place? And that's something that you're going to have to measure in many ways. Getting information, okay? Let's probably get this out of the way real quick. Receiving information by being present when information is coming forth don't necessarily mean you're growing. So you can you can hear the word of God, obtain the information of the word of God doesn't mean that you're growing. 
So we have to ask ourselves, aside from the information of the word of God that I've obtained since I've given my life to Christ, what am I doing with it? How have I grown up since I've been receiving it? And so that's what we have to ask ourselves. So Christian maturity is us growing up. Somebody say growing up. All right. So let's look at some, some practical things and practical ways of how we need to grow up. Okay? A says, I belong in God's family with other believers. Just as children are born into a family, it doesn't matter if you're the firstborn and the only born, or you are one of the many that were born, you were born into a family. Somebody say a family. You're born into a family, which means that there are others involved in this thing. You're not in it by yourself. You didn't just get born into a family and you were by yourself. You were born into a family. So it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. And so in Galatians 6 and 10, it says, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so we are a family, a household. And so as local congregation, there's one church, there's one body. But as we have local assemblies throughout all the world, that's our household. And so in the household here at Christ-centered church, we are a family. We're responsible to make sure our children are raised right. We're responsible to make sure the children grow up. And we are responsible to make sure they are fed. So we must grow up into maturity. All right. Ephesians 2 and 19 says, You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so we are a household. So we need to realize that we belong to a family of God. The other thing we need to look at is we need encouragement to help us grow spiritually. You can't believe that you can grow by yourself. Let's go practical again. In the natural, if a baby is born and left to itself, what you think will happen? If the baby is born and it never gets fed, it never gets loved, it never gets instructed, it's just sitting there by itself, what happens? Baby going to die. So why do we think that we can exist as Christians by ourselves when we are part of a household? You gonna be quiet tonight? My Lord. Uh huh. I need support to grow spiritually. You cannot grow and be healthy by yourself. You cannot grow and be healthy by yourself. Hebrews 10 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works we cannot grow by ourselves let's look at ecclesiastes 4 9 10 and 12 two are better off than one for if they 
fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. Remember, they had that device. They've changed because Apple Watch probably took over now where the older lady fell and she life alert. And she says, I'm, I fall and I can't get up. So they had to make life alert that when you are by yourself, anything happened to you, you're not by yourself. So even the natural world, this is why sometimes the Bible has said the children of the the night are wiser than the children of the light. And so for some of you that don't understand that, the Bible is saying the people that are unsaved in their world, they're wiser the way they live their work, their life in their world and how Christians live their life. They, they, they came up with life alert to make sure you're not alone. They're always working on things to make sure you're not alone. And that help is always right there. And we become children of God. And we're saying we're born again, but we want to stay isolated. How does that work? People that are trying to do things that are not even godly won't have no impact on, 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 on eternal life. They know that they can't be alone. And we that are born again of the warden of the spirit and living for God and hear the word of God preached to us, we're trying to be alone. We need accountability spiritually. There is a great power when people pray together. I don't know if you understand that, but when people pray together, it's always different than when you're praying by yourself. And so when you stay alone, you will miss out on the power when we pray together. I like this scripture in Acts chapter 4, verse number 31, I believe, where it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. When we come together and we pray together, it's like the place shakes when the people of God pray. Why would you want to stay by yourself all the time? If we're going to mature spiritually, you can't just stay by yourself. And here is the thing. This is, again, where we're losing out big time. People that are not living for God are getting their influence in your life more than you're influencing them. It means you're not growing. You cannot allow unsaved people to have more influence in your life than you have in theirs. Because if they have more influence, you can't grow that way. How are you going to grow if they have more influence? The word of God is life. And whatever everybody else is doing, they're just doing what they're doing to maintain their desires. But they're not going anywhere anytime quick. Because they don't have the word of God in their life. So you have to realize, I cannot let anyone outside of God have more influence in my life than the people that are inside God. Now you got to use wisdom because you have loved ones, you have good people in your life that you don't want to alienate. But you must know this that I'm saying, do not have them have more influence in your life than someone that is a Christian. They're not going to tell you, I just heard from the Lord, and the Lord is telling me, you, you probably want to do this. They can't give you godly advice. 
They can't help you when you're down. They can tell you some worldly stuff, but they cannot tell you what God can do to lift you up and pick you up. Unless God wants to do something just extraordinary, supernatural, where he tell them something and force them to say it. Of course, God can do that. But you don't want to go with that. You want to go with, let me surround myself with godly people where we can be together and we can pray together and, and we can grow together because we're all striving for the same thing. So there's great power in prayer. And so that means we need to be together. I am obligated to every Christian. Hmm. I am obligated to every. No, I skipped one. Whoop, whoop. I said that, right? Yeah, after that. Okay. All right, so I, I am right. I am obligated to every other Christian, right? Okay. So in 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 first Peter 4, it says, why? As each one has received a gift, this is important now, as each one has received a gift, minister it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Can I say this to you with all the love in my heart that I can say it to you with? We don't realize how selfish we are when we never come to church. We, we have so many traditions. That's why I want to teach this whole thing and I'm taking my time. We have so many traditions. Can I tell you this? You don't have, you don't have a choice to miss out on things right now because there's a lot of traditional things that you have held to that I'm going to try to help you understand the word of God that might contradict your tradition. I want to teach you the word of God. I don't want to just affirm your tradition. I don't want to just affirm what you've always heard. I want to teach you the word of God because the word of God is what's going to save you, not what you have heard. You don't want to come here and want to just be confirmed in what you've always believed because if it was working, that would be great. But just imagine how many of us are believing things that is not working and we have this doubt in our mind about God because the thing that we believe is not working. And so we're challenged sometimes because the thing that we've always believed is not working. But you won't come out and say, man, I don't know if this God thing is really legit, man, because I've been believing this for a long time and I haven't seen it happen. Did you ever stop to think maybe what you've been believing is not right and that's why it hasn't happened? And as soon as you understand that you get the truth about it, maybe you'll start seeing some action. So let's not hold on to tradition. If you're sincere about living for God, examine everything that you do and examine everything that you're hearing teach and go into Scripture and search it. But the bottom line is God will allow us to operate in different gifting. We call it our ministry. So when you get saved, you will say, well, I'm, I have this gift. It's not your gift. It's God's gift. But God might want to use you particularly that way all the time. Well, if he does, it means that it's your ministry. So what that means is if God gave you that and you don't show up to use it, then why God gave it to you? So we, we always think, we're, we, oh, 
God help us. We're always thinking about what we can receive and we're never thinking about what we can give. And I wish I can communicate this to people that you receive the most when you give. But we've been duped to always believe, just give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Just keep giving me. And we think that's the best way to live. And we don't realize you will always be more satisfied. You will always receive your most gratification when you have given. Go ask the people that are loaded how they feel. They're not feeling good because you're loaded. They're feeling good when they do something with their loadedness. That's when they feel the best. This is why. Go to, you know this real good and some of you know. Go to some of these big time universities. The, the, the current wing. The Hasker wing. And they got all these wings. You go to hospitals. They got all these wings. And you know how much it costs? 20 million. 30. And you're saying, yo dude. You gave away 20 million because they walk around feel good. That, that science wing have my name on it. So I'm telling you, it's what people give that really makes them feel better. Not what they get. But we're killing ourselves always. I got to get this. I got to get this. I got to get this. And so when you get saved, God is, is, he gives you what we call the ministry and it's up to you every time. Trust me. Let me make you feel good about this. Don't think when you show up, whether you do or don't do anything, that you didn't represent anything. I don't care if you come in and listen to me and pray and went home. You did something. Because you have no clue on what you do when you show up when somebody see your face. You have no clue. God said it that way because we're a household, we're a family, and God has said it that every time we all have different people that when we see them, they just encourage us. We all have people in the ministry that we show up and you have no clue what they might come up to you and say, what they might come up to you and do, but you leave better off than when you came because God said it that way in the body. So once you are part of the body, you contribute every time you come. But when we stay home, all we're really saying when we stay home, I want this to be easy. We're just being selfish when we stay home. You just want, but you don't want to give nothing. And I put a whole lot of money on it. I'm not a betting man. I'm not a gambling man. But I put a whole lot of money on that. If that doesn't change, you will not make eternal life with Christ. And it seems simple gathering together. I don't see what's the big deal. I hear you. I'm just telling you the way God has orchestrated this thing is for us to be a family. It's for us to give to each other. And so the body takes care of itself. I don't have time to get into the science of the body that when something happens and you, the body heals itself. The body takes care of itself. And so whatever we need, we have it in the house. But if we don't all show up and contribute, we will not have what we need. And then when we say, we will say, it's God. Well, God, why don't you do this? And God, now we get mad and start telling God what to do. You know why we're telling God what to do? Because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. 
We're telling God to do all this stuff. And God is saying, you think I'm that inept that I put a church together, I gathered my people together, blessed them with my gifts and talents and ability and finances and all, and now you're telling me it's not being able to sustain itself? You're lying. And I ain't no liar, so it got to be you lying. God, God, God can't miss. And so if he put it together, everything it needs for every stage, it's there. Uh-huh. Ready for a heavy one? God don't let, it's, all, it's one of the most amazing things that you see is a woman having a baby. While she going through the pregnancy, God is doing some stuff within that woman, man. And when that baby comes, she got everything she needs to take care of her baby. <laughs> As a matter of fact, for some of the women, their minds are blown because they're like, how do I need to know how to do this? They're, they're not saying it to everybody, but they're probably saying when the kids come and they start to do stuff, how do I know to do this? How do I know to do this? Because God is so bad that if he allow you to have a baby, he's going to make sure you know how. To sustain. Now you don't have to obey and do what you're supposed to do, but you already equipped to take care of that baby. So why are you gonna start some church and don't know how to take, make sure it can be taken care of? Come on, man. We gotta get this thing together. If, if it's done in the natural, it's happening in the spiritual, and we just gotta get a hold of it and start operating like that's really what's happening. We gotta grow up. We can't just stay dormant. We gotta grow up. God has given you what you need so you can contribute to the body. And when you stay away from the body, you do the body a disservice and you disobey God. You take his gift for granted. You just want to take from him and you don't want to give nothing. One of the most important things you would you want to understand about your gifts is that they are special endowment that God gives to every single person who comes to God. The gifts are the purpose of the gifts are for the purpose of you and I ministering to other believers. Look at this. There are nearly 60, there are nearly 60 one another commands in the New Testament that you cannot obey unless you are faithful to a local church. Look, look at just a few. Serve one another. Tell me when you stay home and watch T.D. Jakes, you're serving anybody. And I love T.D. Jakes, so I ain't got nothing to do with T.D. Jakes. But just tell me, how does that work? Accept one another. How do you accept someone when you're in your bed or you're on the couch? Forgive one another. You got to do that face-to-face. Greet one another. How do you greet somebody while you're home and they're in church? Bear one another's burden. How do you do that if you're not having conversation and just interacting with them? Be devoted one to another. How can you be devoted to someone when you never see them? Honor one another. You got to honor people. You look so nice today. Oh, I just love to see how you put yourself together. Oh, you're just amazing. You're spiritual. I, I love to hear you pray. And when you come to church, you just seem so in tune with God. There's so much we can say. You're a great mother. You're a great wife. You're a great husband. Oh, you're such a wonderful servant of the Lord. I mean, when you come, you just serve. So much we can do to honor one another, but you can't do it if you stay home. 
Can't do it. Stay home. Teach one another. You can't teach one another if you stay home. You might say, well, I can do it on Facebook. Okay. There are some things that you're going to have to do just by showing the example. Because people care about how you carry yourself. We can give people knowledge through our teaching. But you know when it starts working? When they watch your life. (laughs) Submit to one another. How can you submit to somebody that you're never around? Encourage one another. These are just a few things that the Bible teaches us that we have to do one another for one another. You can't do that if you don't show up. I'm not here to put the guilt trip on you because I'm just talking about spiritual maturity. Us growing up in Christ. You don't want to be a child or you don't want to see any child that's not growing. Can you imagine your child not growing? That's disappointing and that's frustrating. So we shouldn't come to church as Christians and don't grow. What is the purpose of small groups such as Christian development classes, life classes, and life groups? So we're here because we want to grow. Wish we had a packed room tonight. And I'm hoping that you all will teach this lesson whenever you connect with everybody else. So if they weren't here tonight, go teach them. When you see them, when they come, you teach them about Christian maturity. Because if you don't get mature in Christ, you're not going to be able to help the body. So look at this. I always say our core values as Christians is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through the end of the chapter. Core values. It's very important. Core values. Because they teach us how we ought to conduct ourselves. So, We pick up in verse 42 here, and it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This is after Peter preached the message on the day of Pentecost. He preached, he preached his heart out about Jesus being one, and about Jesus dying for their sins, and letting them know that this Jesus that they crucified is the Lord of glory. And Peter preached his heart out, and then when he preached his heart out, they said to Peter, Oh, Peter, now that you have clearly uh, preached the word of God to us, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, what what do we need to do to get it right? Because clearly we can see that we're wrong. I wish we would have uh, congregations today that when the word of God come forth and you see it uh, uh, telling you or instructing you that you're absolutely wrong, you don't get upset, you don't frown, you don't dismiss it, but you'll say, you know what? <laughs> What do I need to do to correct that? If you don't know what to do to correct it. What do I need to do to correct it? Because when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and he got done preaching, they said, looked around at each other and says, men and brethren, you heard the preacher. What are we going to do about it? We're in trouble. We messed up. What are we going to do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, 
even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came of then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's the NIV version or the NKJV version. But the bottom line is, we'll run through it real quick. That is the heartbeat of the church. You want to know what the church should be doing all the time? Read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. You pick up in verse 36 and you read it all the way through to 47. And that's the heartbeat of the church. If it seems like it's repetitive to you, I'm sorry, but that's what God established for his church. And if we follow that blueprint those are the core values that we will get to follow and we will see the church grow. Because if we do it, the Bible says in the last text there, and the Lord added to the church. So if we want to see God add to his church, if we want to see more people become a part of the household and more people become a part of the family, we're going to have to practice that. What is that? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So we're doing good tonight because we're continuing in the word of God. We're doing good tonight. Uh-huh. So that's what we're supposed to do. We don't get we, we don't repent of our sins, get baptized in Jesus' name, get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then we just decide, well, we'll 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 figure out how to study the word of God at some point in time. No, we gotta get connected and start studying the word of God. And so they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What else did they do? Fellowship. We, you know how we do. I just, uh, I just can't mess with those people. When are we going to change that paradigm and say, they hard to get along with, but I'm going to prove that I got some God in me. When are we going to say that? They seem difficult. Every time I see them, they look like a busybody. Oh, they seem like they never pray. They seem like they just loose. Okay. Are you a Christian? Has God given you a ministry? Because he said minister one to another. And if they showing up, part of what we're supposed to do as Christians is figure out how to minister one to another. Uh-huh. Wherever you go, that is supposed to happen. If God gave you a ministry, wherever you go, it's supposed to work. Uh-huh. Smile wherever you go. Try to be kind wherever you go. Share the love of God wherever you go. And eventually, they'll open up to you and you'll be able to minister the word of God to them. But God didn't give you his gifts for you to just 
chill. So we're supposed to fellowship. That's why we love beef patties. That's why we love coca bread. That's why we love the juices. It ain't because we got to eat it because we all doing pretty good on the weight. But guess what? It keeps us hanging around and biting and chewing and talking. That's why we love peanuts. That's why we love pudding. Whatever it is we got to eat, just bring it on in and let's eat it. Because they keep us hanging around each other and talking. That's called fellowship. That's Christian. And we might be thinking, oh, that's no big deal. It's Christian to eat and talk with one another. Breaking bread. Eating is, is, is a God thing. Uh-huh. Some people say when they say breaking bread is communion. I don't care what you want to look at it as. Bottom line is when we break get bread together, it's godly. Then prayers. We ought to be praying. We did that just, just, just a few moments ago, and we do it every Saturday, and we do it every time we come together. But we ought to pray. Uh-huh. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily. When you get a chance, if you want to go over Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 with a fine tooth comb, you will be blessed. Because it is what we're all about as the church of the living God. We keep saying the apostolic church, but it's so sad that we have to say the apostolic church. And the reason why we have to keep saying the apostolic church, that says the apostles' doctrine, and so we write on cue. We're not doing anything wrong. But the problem is we have so many different denominations that we have to clarify. Man, oh man. But if we were just all being truthful, it would just be the church, the apostolic church. And every church that you see on every corner is the apostolic church because that's the only church we read about in the New Testament. But unfortunately, we got to go down here, and this one is that denomination. And then when they got tired of denomination, they came up with non-denominal. We need to just ask them, where is all that stuff in the Bible? Well, you know, no, don't, don't, I don't know. Just show me where it's at in the Bible. I can show you in the Bible where it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles. I can show you that. I can show you where they was praising God and leaping and dancing. I can show you that. I can show you where they prayed to the place was shaken. I can show you where they prayed and they laid hands and people received the Holy Ghost. I can show you where people were baptized. I can show you where they prayed and there was miracles, demons. I can show you all of that. Show me where it says non-denominational. And I ain't telling you to go out there and mess with people. Please don't do that. I'm just I'm just trying to teach you sound doctrine. I'm trying to teach you what the word of God says so you can be secure in who you are as a Christian and walk in maturity. That's what I'm trying to do here. Not taking no shots at nobody. Just want you to be on target so you are fully confident in who you are as a child of God. And you don't have to worry about and hesitate about what other people are doing. Just pray that they know what you know. Don't try to be an elitist. Just pray that you stay humble and you are able to impart what you know to other people. You've been blessed and fortunate to be in that position that you know truth. It's a whole lot more that we need to know, but at least we know the foundational truth. And that's important, man, because the foundation is not right. It's just 
<laughs> was reading a little bit of readout. Not a little. I read a lot of readout today. And um, he was breaking down how we try to figure out how can you really tell a wolf in sheep clothing? He even had pictures because he's showing all the pictures like you can't really tell. How can anyone? And then he says, we like to say by their fruit, we know them. But here's a trick to that. If that's the way we got to do to know them, a lot of people going to get damaged and hurt before we found that, find out who they are. He just messes up your theory and make you have to go dig in, dig in the scripture. So if the only way to find out who a sheep in, in, in who a wolf in sheep clothes, if the only way to know is by their fruit, then they're going to do a lot of damage before we know. But if you will make sure you check out what kind of foundation they have established, then you will know it. So that's why it says try the spirit. To know whether it be of God or not. So the only way you're going to know the, the one that's wolves in sheep clothing, because you can't tell. Everybody look the same. They know how to look the same, just like the regular sheep. But the only way to know is to start asking questions. So what do you think about God being one? What do you think about the Holy Ghost? What do you think about Jesus named Baptist? You just start running all those. Those are foundational things. And so when they can't answer those, then now you say, in your mind, you're supposed to be like, if they don't allow you to teach them in your mind, can't listen to nothing you say because your foundation is wrong. Yep. If they don't know God is one, if they don't understand that almighty God became a man and walked this earth, his name was Jesus Christ. If they don't know that, if they don't believe you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, if they don't believe that you must be baptized in the name and not in titles, if they don't believe all that, just take them with a grain of salt. Because they can't tell you really a whole lot because their foundation is not right. And when foundation not right, as we know, the whole house is not going to be legit. All right, let's finish this thing out. Attitudes of maturity. Real Christian is about life change, not about religion. It's another thing, church. I don't want you to be religious. I want you to be a child of God, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not religious, not follow religion, not just do the religious thing, uh, behavioral thing, you know, but, but having a real relationship with God. That's what real Christian maturity will, will do in your life. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, 29, for whom he did foreknew, he also did, did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the bottom line is, when you are maturing as a Christian, when you start going through challenges and stuff, you don't just run off and you don't just leave God and you don't change church. Listen, I don't care where you go. There, if that scripture alone tells me we're going to have some problems, for we know all things work together for good. So that's telling me there's going to be some issues. But don't worry, it will all work for good. Here's a little caveat in there, because some people quote that wrong. 
for we know all things work together for my good. Just that my messed it up. The Bible says, for we know all things work together for good to them that love God. So it might not look like it's working for you, but you got to trust that even if it's not working for you, it's still good. <laughs> oh, that's a tough pill to swallow. All right, so let me let you feel good then. Because God is our parent, it's impossible for it to work for the good of God and not work for the good of you. <laughs> All right? So you don't, have to worry. you don't have to worry about when I say stuff like that. God is a parent to us. And no earthly parent can ever outdo our God. And he says, if, if you evil fathers know how to good, give good gift to your children. God is good, man. He, he, he's, he cold-blooded sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, if you fathers who are evil, he just mean that you're not righteous like him. Not righteous at all. But you know how to give good gifts to your children. He says, how much more shall your father in heaven give good gifts to you? <laughs> so we, don't, we never have to worry about what his position is on us. What he's going to give us or not give us. What he's going to allow and not allow. He's letting you know up front, no matter what, the human could never outdo me in how I feel about you and what I give to you. Nobody can outdo me. So when I say we know all things work together for good, I know it didn't say for your good, and that was purpose in there. But just understand, if it's working good for the kingdom of God, it's working good for you. That's just how good he is. We like to say God is good. Yeah, he's good. All right. It's all about becoming more like Jesus. So that's what Romans 8.28 is telling us. So when we go through struggles and trials and challenges, we have to know that it's going to be all right. It's helping us to mature in Christ. We're growing up. We're trying to be good. We're trying to learn to be who we need to become. Hebrews 12.14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one We'll see the Lord. Listen, when you start to, <laughs> Brother Scarlett, you made me think of you with this one. When, 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 when you get to a place in Christ where no matter what's going on, the first thing you're thinking about when things are going crazy is how can I keep the situation peaceful? Oh, you're growing up in God. But if you snap and you want to go crazy like everybody else, you need some growing to do. I'm just giving you the truth. This is what this says. Pursue peace. Follow peace with all men. It didn't say follow peace with Christians. So you think that when you're not in church, you can tell people off. It says follow peace with all. Not with Christians. Not with other. Just all. So when you follow peace with all men. You got to check yourself to know if you you maturing in Christ. When stuff starts to go on and you ready to jump off and act up, Brother Scarlett, they just need to smile. <laughs> just smile. My Lord. We got to be holy. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Some people think by speaking low that they're holy. 
Hey, good brother. God bless you, man. Good to see you. And when nobody can see them, you can stay two houses down hearing them screaming at their family. When they come, hey, good brother. God bless you, man. When they get low, that means they holy. Yay, holy because you're low, bro. It's your attitude that says if you're holy. Not what you, if you're high pitch or low pitch. Come on, bro. Maturity involves both separation and dedication. A lot of people feel like they separated themselves from drinking, from smoking, from uh, fighting and whoremongering and partying. They feel like I separated myself from that. But spiritual maturity, Christian maturity is, okay, after you separate yourself from that, what are you joining yourself to? You, you got to separate from that, but now you got to join to something else. Uh-huh. Remember I told you that's salvation. And so you got to separate and dedicate. Many of us are stuck in the middle. And sooner or later, you're going to go back to what you were separated from because you can't beat that on your own. It's, it's you being dedicated to God that's going to help you beat that separation that you separated from. Can't do it. And if you want to ask me, probably the biggest problems we deal with, people come to church, give their life to God, try to walk the walk, but they never dedicated themselves to Christ so they end up going back to what the Lord had pulled them away from. And we read about it in, in, in Exodus. Oh, Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to bring us in this wilderness so we can die. We might as well just would have st- stayed in Egypt. Because when you don't dedicate yourself to the Lord, you go back to what he separated you from. Because that's all you ever really knew. And so your habit is to go back to that. Quiet. We can't just separate. We got to dedicate. Got to dedicate our life to the Lord. Dedicate our life to the Lord. Dedication to the Lord make you show up every time we are assembled together. Because what it means is I'm so dedicated, Lord. I don't know what you might do in my life. You know, I've always felt from the day number one I got saved, and this don't have anything to do with being a preacher. I'm just telling you, I just believe that if I'm doing something, I got to just do it right and not fake it out. And so it from the day number one I start to give my life to the Lord and learn some things, I've always felt like, you know what, I, I need to show up because I never know. Maybe I can help out this way or help out that way. I never put myself in the way of, look at me, I can help. But I always showed up figuring maybe I can help or maybe I can learn something. So I always showed up for two reasons. Either I can help or I can learn something. So I just showed up. And now, I've told you this before, I'll tell you again. I don't go to weddings or funerals or hospitals or wherever without having a word of God in my mind or in my heart that I might have to speak if something happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's built in now. I can't change it. Too old now to change this dog about that. But, but, but if I'm going to a wedding, best believe somewhere close by, 
I've got the word that in case the, the, the preacher can't show up to officiate, okay, I'm here, I'm ready, I can help out. Funeral, the preacher got sick, oh, I can help out right now. I just, I can't help it. I don't know if that's sad or bad. I don't know if that's good, but I just, wherever I show up, I got something. Always been that way. Wherever I show up, I got something. Spiritual maturity. I'm looking to give. I'm not looking to say, give me, give me. I'm looking to give. That's spiritual maturity or Christian maturity. All right. We're almost there. Let's get it done. All right. We are motivated to live obedient lives, not merely by rules, but by love. So let me give some of you this that is not in CSTI. Brother Hodges killed it. We always read the Old Testament and say to ourselves, I don't know if I could have lived in the Old Testament days, stoning people, all of this stuff and all of this stuff. And so Christians think that living under the law is so much harder than living under grace. And it's not true. Grace Living by grace is so much more superior than living under the law. Preacher, what do you mean by that? When you live under the law, all you follow is rules. Whatever the rules say, whatever the law says, that's what I'm going to do. When you live by grace, you live by love. Man, I love that. And when you live by love, you throw out the rules. Laws don't work when it come on to love. See, y'all going to be quiet on me tonight because you can't handle this part. Because love is far more superior than law. <laughs> law says, oh, that's what it says? It's all I'm doing. That, oh, yes. That's all I'm doing. And you learn what the law says and you do what the law says. No more. And if I can do less, I will. But I don't want to get in trouble. So I'm just going to do just that. Love don't work that way. Anybody know the definition of love? I'm going to close that. I'm going to. Anybody know the, the definition of love? I'm going to stop right there. Stop right there. Next week we'll talk about some other stuff. Anybody know the definition of love? Yeah. So tell me what it means. That, that's what we're talking about when we say application. We can, we can go to the scripture and says, well, it says this, but give me the definition. Yes, sir. You're, you're close. You're warm, real warm. Anybody else? If, if you look at every, every place mentioned or teaching about love, here's what it boils down to. To do whatever, listen to me, to do whatever necessary. To do whatever necessary. Right? That is needed to please the one you love. Love 
is to do whatever necessary. Whatever necessary for the need to please the one you love. So here's it in a nutshell. I've always said it, and when I met Readout, me and Readout collaborated, and I said, ooh, see, my definition wasn't off. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now that sounds good, but here's how I'm going to kill it. The transcendent God that was invisible needed to become visible to become human, take on flesh so he can become the sacrificial lamb because somebody had to die because since y'all didn't die, somebody had to die for your sins. So God did whatever was necessary because we needed that to be able to please the one you love what they needed so you if you say you love there's no boundary there is no law there is no work the moment you say i'm not going any further than this you under the law you ain't in, you're not in grace anymore the moment you say it means you need to work on your love because it ain't love anymore Anytime you bring rules into the play with relationship, you're not loving. You're just going by rules and laws. And that's not love. You go find out where's the law that said God had to become a man. Go find that one. There's no law that says God had to become a man. But he did whatever was necessary. <laughs> There's no law that said that God had to be like us and all of the stuff that he did. There was no law that said that. All he knew was, okay, what is necessary here? Well, I said from the very beginning, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. I said that from the beginning. And now I'm telling them, the blood of goats and animals can't cleanse your sin. So how else is it going to work? I got to do whatever is necessary. So when we say we love, there's no negotiating. There's no law that you go by. And that's what's killing us. And that's why we're having a hard time serving God as well. Because we say we love God, but I love God. And this is my this is my internal struggle within me and my frustration sometimes when I see nice, good, sincere Christians dropping the ball. Because I'm saying, God loved you and he did whatever it took. And you say you love God, but you ain't doing whatever it takes. And unfortunately, he's not even, well, fortunately, he's not even asking us to do exactly what he did. He's not telling you to be accused and you had no sin. He's not telling you to get whipped on your back, lashes on your back 49 times. He's not telling you to go get crown of thorn on your, he's not, he's just saying, obey my commands. That's all he's saying. And we're struggling with that. And when I find myself not doing what God want to do, I cry to myself because that's me right in a nutshell is I understood that he did whatever 
it took for me to have life and have eternal life. I know that. And so I got to keep challenging myself and asking myself, yo, man, that's not doing everything you can do to make sure you obey and please him. And that's every relationship across the board. That if it's spousal love, children love, sibling love, and then agape love with, with God and for people, it has to be, don't show me no rules. There's no rules. Throw out the rules. Don't tell me, well, you got to do this. Now. No! This is why we have no excuse about some of the things that we do because, because, because why I got to put out more? You're bringing in some rules in there now. Why I got to do all? You're bringing some, you're bringing some law and some rules in it. And so the question is, what if the Lord would have said, well, why I got to put on flesh? Why I got to go through birth process? Why I got to walk the earth? And why can't I just come as a grown man and skip the whole process of kids? And why I got to do all that? And why I got to go in the garden and pray and let my sweat be as blood? Why? What if he asked why for everything? And challenge himself like, eh, maybe I don't need to do that. Those are the things I think about when I'm not doing right, when I can do more and I'm not doing more. I said, there was no rule. There was no law that was preventing him or say that he could or couldn't do anything. He did whatever was necessary to meet the need that we had. We had a need and we needed a savior that would give his life for our life. We had a need and he did whatever necessary so he can take care of that need. That's what love is. I don't care how you slice it, how you dice it. I don't care how you stir it up, how you saute it. That's the only way to demonstrate love. For God so loved the world. Now you understand how deep that is. It sounds simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we know that it means that he gave. And that's good that we got a good starting point. He gave. But what did he go through to give? That's the love part. What did he go through so he can give? We don't even want to give. So we're already in big trouble because we don't even want to give. We want to receive. So we already got a big issue right there. Not to mention if we step into the realm of where he, where he said, I went through. If we had to go through all the steps from A to Z that he had to go through so he can give himself. Whew. Help us, Lord. Any questions before we close out tonight? Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your time. And, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to just speak to your heart, and I hope that the Lord touched you in some way, somehow, and you will continue to mature in God and grow up and become who he called you to become. Any questions before we close out? All right. Come see me if you have one afterwards. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for understanding and clarity. Lord Jesus... Oh, my God. We don't understand so much, so much we don't understand. But God, if you can just touch our hearts and keep us pure in our heart. If we can have a pure heart, Lord God, then even the things we don't understand, we will understand eventually. And God, when we understand it, we want to implement it. We just don't want to have head knowledge. We just don't want to read your word. But God, we want to truly allow your word to become a part of us. 
And so we can live it out. We can take our rightful place in you. Father, help us to grow in maturity, to grow up as children of God, to be able to take our rightful place. Jesus, we're asking these things from you because we want to please you. We want the truly almighty God be a people that you can say they are mature. They're growing up and they're doing my will. Lord, we want to make you proud and we want to please you. Will you help us, Lord, in every way you know how to? And Lord, we make ourselves pliable. We make ourselves available. We submit ourselves under your authority that you can do just what you need to do. Lord, we give you the honor and the praise. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.